And we're back again for another one. Welcome to the Playsheet Podcast. Joe, some big news going down at the moment. We thought we'd staved it off, but there's rumblings that COVID could still affect our season. Yeah, what did we manage? Like a week? Was it two weeks without mentioning COVID? But here we are. It's back again. And I think we're facing the first real major hurdle that COVID might be presenting to the 2020-21 NFL season. Yeah, so the news is that Three of the Titans players and I think five of their staff have tested positive for COVID. And as a result, they've locked down all internal operations for both the Titans and the Vikings who they have just played the previous week. So I'm sure they'll retest them given what happened with Matt Stafford and the false positive they received. But this could potentially impact scheduling depending on how severe it is. Yes, it's quite major really because whatever happens here now is going to have knock-on effects and it's whether there's any liabilities to be had. Hypothetically, say that the games at the weekend do go ahead but the Vikings can't go to their practice facility. Now, just say for argument's sake, and I'm just speaking hypothetically here, say that the reason there's that outbreak is because some of the players in the Titans team didn't follow the protocols which the league has enforced. Say they went to places they shouldn't have gone mixed with people they shouldn't have mixed with say they've done something naughty now i'm not delusional here the vikings are 0-3 they're not getting playoffs but say the vikings were 2-1 right now say they were going into this game as favorites against the texans and they're now you know seriously at a disadvantage because they can't go to the practice facility and i know i'm speaking in hypotheticals here but this is where things get messy we record on tuesday as it stands we don't know who the players are yet there seem to be no other positive tests. Vikings players seem to be clean at this moment. But whatever happens from now on, there's an impact. There's an impact if the Vikings can't get into their practice facility. There's an impact if a game gets postponed and the Vikings have an enforced bye week in week four. So this is the first hurdle. Talking of hurdles, Mitch Trubisky, uh, just one hurdle too many for him. It's one of these things. It's, it's almost a matter of time, really. When they gave Foles that contract, you can't give a player a contract of that size and just have him on the bench or just not have any thought of playing him. To be honest, I'm a critic of Trubisky. I think most people are. It's quite easy to get on his back. How he's played over the first two games, I felt that the benching was a little bit premature. He's played some of his best football in weeks one and two. So I didn't fully go along with the choice to bench him, but it is what it is. Bears now stand free, you know, but I'm not high on foals either. So, you know, let's see what happens there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Trubisky's been playing tremendously well for him. God, that, I mean, that's the second week in a row, though. The Falcons have completely thrown it away, isn't it? Imagine being a Falcons fan. I know your brother's one. Once you can accept, twice just shouldn't happen at all. And it's psychological now. Teams playing them know there's that weakness there. When they're playing with a lead of less than 40 points, they know that teams can come after them still. it's very disappointing because there's talent in that side there is talent especially on the offense there's talent there but what can you do I do believe a lot of it is coaching though and I think that it's the mentality the coaches are putting into the players it's the plays that the coaches are playing and if they're going to turn the ship around I don't like to call for people's jobs but I think that a regime change at Atlanta is long overdue they've got the players there but it's just not clicking, is it? So I think you're right. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. In terms of talent, they're a team that arguably should be getting into the playoffs or getting a roundabout there. 
you know, 8-8, 9-7, that kind of level. When they're throwing away leads like they did to the Cowboys against the Bears, and this this Bears side might be 3-0, but they're an imposter. They're not 3-0. They're not that good a side. Falcons have issues with the coaching, and it's not just Dan Quinn. We saw what went on with the special teams last week. There seems to be a coaching problem in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, that leads us on nicely to our first set of games here. And that is the Broncos and the Jets. And Gase is someone who is constantly under media attention for potentially losing his job. It seems that, you know, with five minutes into this podcast, and I'm just criticizing everyone here, but I mean, Gase, geez, man. Everywhere he goes, he seems to upset the whole team. He's done that at college. He did that at Miami. He seems to upset all his players. He seems to say things in the media which are inappropriate and unfair. And I mean, this Jets team, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. I tried to give them the benefit of a doubt over the first few games. I tried to say there's a little bit of talent there. But I mean, this team is just... The wheels are off. Week three. Do we even want to talk about this one much? Like the Broncos, the only thing that makes this a possibly closer game is that the Broncos have injuries. And this is not a good Broncos team, but a very mediocre average team might be in a contest with the Jets because the Broncos have the worst kind of injury room in the whole league. Broncos will win this. It'll be what, somewhere between 10 and 14 points. Do you differ from me at all, Matt? I do differ from you. Do you really? I do. Yeah, I look, I agree with everything you've said. And maybe we've got a repeat of you calling the Dolphins against the Jags last week. But for me, I just look at that Broncos team and they're they're hanging on by a thread. Nobody is healthy. And they performed absolutely abysmally against Tampa Bay the week just gone. I think the Jets could nick it if Donald shows up. Going into that game against the Buccaneers, I'm not on the Buccaneers bandwagon whatsoever, but they are playing okay at times. Driscoll had been dropped in. He'd only really had a week taking first team reps. There have been so many injuries. When you get that many injuries, it's disruptive. I think even with all of those injuries, this Broncos team is coached better and is better than this Jets side. And I've been bitten too many times. I've said, you know, in basically every predo up to this point, I've said Jets are going to be in the game. And they've got blown out every time. So I'm just not saying it this week. I'm saying that the Jets are going to lose by between 10 and 14 points. 14 points, because screw them. <laughs> they've annoyed you so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've annoyed me so much. So, yeah. But you're kind of basing yours just on the Broncos injuries. Yeah, I think if the Broncos were fully healthy, it would be a different issue. They're in complete disarray at the moment. And as you said, it's so hard for a team to string together a performance when there's so many part players there that aren't used to playing with one another. And maybe, I mean, they should know the system. They're still training with the team, but... It's one thing knowing it in theory and another putting it into practice. I think the Jets could edge this by a score. I think that just because they don't have Bell back yet, Bell can't come back till next week. Darnold needs that senior vet presence to dump balls off to. And don't get me wrong, you don't get more veteran than Gore. I know that, but Gore is a very certain type of player. He's a power runner. He does one thing. When Donald has Bell in the backfield, even though Gase totally underutilizes him, he gives Donald that out and he gives him that option. And if Donald doesn't have that, he panics, he flaps, he holds on to the ball for too long, he gets sacked, he fumbles it, and the Jets collapse like they always do. Like I said, I've been burnt too many times. I understand that you're going with the Broncos a bit on a feeling and their injuries. But yeah, let's move on. <laughs> One last thing, just while I think of it. The Broncos, with all their injury problems, are now going to MetLife Stadium, which was the graveyard for the 49ers two weeks ago. So it'll be 
interesting how many players the Broncos still have walking if that turf and the rumours about it being a horror show are true. Oh, God, that could be the final nail in the coffin, couldn't it? Could be the absolute final nail in the coffin. So moving on then to the early games on the Sunday, 6 o'clock, we have the Cardinals versus the Panthers. Yeah, where do you see this one? The Panthers surprised me beating the Chargers. I think that was a game we both expected the Chargers to do quite comfortably given their previous performance against the Chiefs. I think in large part that was down to the Chargers' failure more than it was the Panthers' success. Whereas the Cardinals, well, I mean, they threw it away to the Lions, didn't they? I couldn't believe what I witnessed, especially when the Lions had been so poor. But to me personally, looking at the games, it very much felt like two teams with two upset performances there. And I think the ship all writes itself this week. I expect the Cardinals to beat the Panthers by two scores. Yeah, I agree with that. And the only thing that I might differ on is I can potentially see the Cardinals putting in even more points. I think the Cardinals were very good through weeks one and two. They had a blip last week. I mean, these things happened. Things just didn't go right for them. They made some wrong choices. Some of their key players just weren't playing to the standard they normally play to. And, you know, in fairness to Patricia, I think that the game plan from the Lions was spot on. I think the things that they were doing were just working. I don't see Lightning striking twice. I'm going to go Cardinals by 21 points because I just don't rate this Panthers team right now. Right, then at the same time, we've got the Colts at the Bears. I think it's finally time for the Bears to take an L. (laughs) (laughs) We've been saying it for so long though, Joe. I'm almost scared to triple down, as it were, this time. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? We keep on saying it, but the Bears have got to lose at some point. They should have got beaten by the Falcons last week. And if the Falcons weren't in self-destruct mode again, the Falcons would have been them. I think it was an error to go with Foles. Like I said, Foles will probably start this week. But I think the Colts are a decent side. And I think they'll score a lot against them. I think they'll put points against them. Yeah, I think that you're right on many levels there. I think when you look at the victory that the Bears have had over the last several weeks, they have snuck victory. And that is not a slight on the Bears. You know, to win when you're not playing well is a sign of a good team but I think they have been exceptionally lucky in a lot of situations it's been other teams that have thrown it away rather than the Bears excelling with that in mind I think the Colts we've just seen now through three weeks their defensive unit is clicking and firing on all cylinders for this to be the first game for Foles to walk into and start I think he's really going to struggle and I think that Obviously, the Colts have suffered from a few injuries, but I think they're starting to find their way now and Rivers is starting to find the players that he trusts. So I've got this at two scores to the Colts. Yeah, I'll call it 10. But yeah, let's move on. Next game, Jags at Bengals. This one's a real tough one for me. I mean, I said last week, the Jags are performing efficiently and they're doing better than I expected. They lost to the Dolphins this week, which was something that you called. Even though they lost, maybe my mind is changed slightly on how bad I thought they were going to be. It looks like they're not performing as badly as I expected. I'm just seeing Burrow perform week in and week out and he's so impressive. It's almost changing my mind about how bad the Bengals are because as we've said time and time again, they're a trash team. They're a really, really bad team. But Burrow is just making them look better than they are. I'm tempted to go for the Bengals, but 
for me, I think I've got to go Jags by a field goal. So over the last two weeks, I've called the Bengals both times. The Bengals just got beaten by the Browns in week two, but I mean, there were only six points in it and it was close. Last week, they actually drew with the Eagles and it went back and forth in overtime, but no one could get the final score. I'm going to go third time lucky and I'm going to go Bengals this week. And I'm going to say why. We've said they're a trash side and they are a trash side in many respects. The line is trash. The defense gives up too much. There's problems in lots of areas of the field. But I think there's some talent in that team now that isn't just Joe Burrow. T Higgins had a bit of a breakout game last week. You've got AJ Green, who I'll be honest, is playing better than I thought he would do. He's come back. He's kind of taken up the role of wide receiver one. And he might not be the most efficient player, but he's making a lot with his volume. You've still got players like Tyler Boyd in there, who's always capable of big plays. I think that the offense there with your quarterback and wide receivers is actually not bad at all. I think they're going to score points. This is going to be a game that Joe Burrow, it's been coming. His first win has been coming. I think it's going to come week four against the Jags. It's not going to be a huge win, Bengals by seven, but that's what I've got it as. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly trending up. They're improving week on week and arguably against this Jaguars team, they could do it. I just think the Eagles were way worse than I thought they were and I already thought they were going to be a terrible team. So for the Bengals to only draw against them, it just makes me think that the Jags probably still have enough to win by a field goal. Okay, let's move on. Next game, Browns of the Cowboys. Maybe I'm in too much of a gambling mood right now, but I think maybe the Browns take this, which I know is a mental Child, thing to say. please. Again, Dak looked ropey at the weekend, and I just don't fully believe in them. And that's not to say that I believe in the Browns, but I think an upset could be on the cards. I think that the Stefanski offense is starting to bed in at the Browns. With Chubb just ramming the ball down people's throats, they don't have to rely so much on Mayfield. And I don't think that Cowboys defense is fully there yet. And I think that the Browns could win by, I mean, less than a score, but like maybe four points, something like that. I take your point, but it's the Browns, Charles. Every time you think that they're getting better and every time you think that they're improving, they let you down. I'm just reminding you of that. I do need that regular season check-in on the Browns. Yeah. I feel like that tap on the shoulder is required when I discuss them. It's what friends do. So this is your (laughs) regular little reminder that the Browns always let you down. Look, way I see it is Cowboys are going to have to play like the team I think, well, the team I thought they were at the start of the season, which is a team with a great D-line. Because like you say, Chubb and Hunt can ram it down your throat. They can go round the line as well, but they will keep on running the ball and the more they can get the ball out of Mayfield's hand into the hands of the running backs, the better chance the Browns have. But when you have Griffin, when you have Dontari Poe, when you have Lawrence, when you've got those players in your D-lines, they should be up to any task. As long as the Cowboys D-line plays hard, I think that this is a Cowboys team that can score points. Loads of points. They're just leaky as hell. They're leaky as hell, but if they stop the run, which this team is capable of, when you've got Dontari Poe, the unit that he is in the middle of that line, they can stop the run. So if they stop the run, which I think they will do, and that's what they should be focusing on in training, then I'm going to go Cowboys by two scores, Cowboys by 14. Okay, there you have it. So next game, Saints at the Lions, the mighty Lions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this Saints team, I thought they looked really bad in week two. 
they looked better week three losing to the Packers. They scored 30 points on the Packers, which, you know, is commendable. So the O was still there. Like I said earlier, Lions played well week three against the Cardinals. But look, fundamentally, the Lions are trash. I mean, no offense to any Lions fans who are listening, but the Lions are trash. The Saints will probably have Michael Thomas back. And I mean, that is just such a factor for them. It changes everything. It changes how teams have to defend against them. The Saints' D hasn't been as good as it should be. We said earlier that they were one of the most kind of complete teams. We said that before the season. Their D hasn't really shown up. It hasn't really shown up through three weeks at all. Once the D starts clicking and there's no reason it can't start clicking against the Lions, I think the Saints should be pretty comfortable. It's time for a bounce back win for the Saints. Well, look, the Saints, again, that was another game that you called exceptionally close on our predictions because they narrowly lost to the Packers. I think the biggest thing for the Saints in that matchup was just Kamara finally showed up and the Packers did not have an answer for him. They could not stop the run game. So if Thomas is back, I think, as you've said, that's an absolute catalyst for a good Saints team. If he's not back, then they're relying on Kamara to get the job done again. Now. I've already backed the Browns and I've already backed the Jags. So I can't be back in the Lions on this. That just gets too hot takey. But I think the Lions performed well. And in fairness, they performed well against the Packers as well to begin with and against the Bears. It, it just seemed to kind of fall down in the latter parts of the game. They kept that going tight this time round against the Cardinals. I think they are improving. But even without Thomas, this is still a Saints side. So I'd expect the Saints to win by... Slightly less than two scores, I think. So if you go, what, Saints Saints 10, I'll go Saints 14. Yeah, sounds good. Vikings at Texans. Do you know what? You're 0-3, but the Texans really, really struggle against the run game. And you've got one of the best running backs in the league. So I think you could edge it. And I am going to say... Vikings by 10 points. Two own free teams here. And I think that people who aren't Vikings fans who haven't been watching the Vikings games will say, oh, the Vikings are better than an own free team. They'll come back. They'll win. But as a fan and having watched these games, I mean, the Vikings, the Vikings have played badly, the defense especially. In two of the games, the Vikings O turned up against the Packers and against Tennessee last week. But I mean, the D just hasn't shown up once yet. The problem I have is that the Texans can score on you. Deshaun Watson can score on you. And the pass rush and the pressure just isn't coming. Ngoe has had one sack so far. He's not had the impact with Hunter not being around. When you've not got pressure on both sides of the line, I mean, teams have been double teaming him. I really want to say Vikings. I really do. But I've said Vikings every week so far. And I've been upset every week so far. (laughs) And so... The Texans are 0-3, but the Texans have played better sides than the Vikings have. Okay, the Vikings have played the Packers, but the Texans have played what? The Chiefs? The Ravens? Who did they play last week? The Steelers. They've played three very good teams. And the only reason that all of those teams aren't 3-0 and is because the Ravens had to play the Chiefs. But the Chiefs are 3-0, and Steelers are 3-0, and Ravens are 2-1 and having played the Chiefs. So the strength of their opponents is 8-1. and I'm going to go Texans... I'm going to assume that the Vikings' offense might turn up. So I'm going to say that this is going to be a game with over 60 points, but the Texans will win it by 10. Right, okay then. 
You're right in that the Texans are a team that can score against you and they've scored against these very good teams. And it's a really good point that you raise in that the teams they have played have been really tough opposition. Maybe that is enough when they come up against this Vikings team. But I just, I've seen the Texans really struggle against the run game. Think about this though. And I think the same, right? In three games so far, their run D has been abysmal. But look at what they've been defending against. Game one, their run D was terrible, but they were defending against Patrick Mahomes. So you've got to stay really honest. You can't stack the box against Mahomes. He'll throw the ball to Kelsey. He'll throw the ball to Hill. There's so many targets there that you've just got to stay honest all the time. And it means taking men out of the box and trying to do additional coverage. The same for Jackson as well. Like, I mean, you know, with the RPO that they run, sure, you want to try and stop the run, but Jackson can really air the ball. So they've really been stretched in terms of the quarterbacks they've been playing against. Now, when they're playing against Cousins, it's a little bit more like, well, let's see what you've got there, bub. Throw the ball out. We're going to stack the box against you, but we're going to trust that our cornerbacks, you know, double team up on Phelan and maybe Jefferson as well. There's nothing else there. There's nothing else really there. All right, Rudolph is an end zone for it, but uh, that's about it. So I think the Texans will stack the box a little bit more. They'll be targeting Cook. They'll know what they're going to get from Cousins. and He's a very static quarterback. I think the Texans' D is going to look a lot better in this game. Interesting insight. Let's find out if that pans out. So then on to our next game. And uh, if you see it any differently, then you're a lunatic because the Seahawks must be the natural predator to the dolphin. <laughs> Taking them in their big claws and flying off to their seahawks. I just can't see it any other way. Do we even want to waste any time on this? Look, I was right about the Dolphins last week. Lightning doesn't strike twice. Seahawks by two scores and move on. Yeah, I'll go for a bit more. I, I reckon Seahawks by, let's call it 17. I just think that they'll, you know, get an early lead. They don't need to then push it too much. But yeah, if the Seahawks lose this one, I will be extremely shocked. Oh, yeah. People will lose money if they... Uh... That's the definition of an accumulated breakup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next one, Steelers at Titans. Steelers at Titans. I think this is going to be quite an interesting one. I mean, it's going to largely depend on the impact of what we discussed at the beginning of the show. Who are these three players and are they going to be able to play on the weekend? Even still, I think that the Steelers have been very, very impressive this season. I think the Steelers will probably walk away with this one with 14 points. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer. In terms of talent and potential, I see the Titans in a similar kind of bucket to the Texans. And I know they have markedly different records at this stage of the season, but seeing what I saw with the Titans against the Vikings last week, a poor Vikings side, the Titans weren't all that really. And the Titans really were lucky to win that game. Steelers though, the only concern I have about the Steelers is that they've been in strong positions in a couple of games now and they've almost given it away. They seem to take their foot off a of gas. The Titans came back well against the Vikings. So look, I see it being the Steelers. I see them going into an early lead like you've got there. But then I see the Titans kind of pushing them close towards the end of the game. So I'm going Steelers, but I'm going Steelers by seven. Okay, yeah. I mean, the Steelers are going to have to be wide awake for that latter part of the game because the teams that they have played I mean when you look back at the weeks they played the Giants in week one then they played the Broncos in week two when they suffered a large part of their injuries 
And then week three, they've just gone and played against the Texans, who's, you know, are another 0-3 team. So the Titans are a team who are doing better than any of the opposition that they face so far. So they'll need to keep switched onto it. But I think they've looked impressive for the most part this season. That moves us on to Chargers at the Buccaneers. Where do you have this one, Joe? I felt last week the Buccaneers played the best football we've played this season so far. I said earlier that I'm not on the Buccaneers bandwagon by any stretch. I think that the Buccaneers are one of the easiest schedules in the league. I think when they play good teams, they'll lose. When they play bad teams, they'll put points up against them and make themselves look good. Despite Herbert playing pretty well, despite Keenan Allen coming back and playing better than he has done for quite a few games, I think fundamentally this isn't a good Chargers team. So it's set up again, really, for the Buccaneers to put some points up. Even more so with Melvin Ingram going to IR. How do I have this one? Buccaneers by three scores. Wow, that many. I just feel like this Chargers team right now is just kind of floating around. They're not a terrible team. Like, they're not a trash team like some of the teams we talk about. But they're not a playoff team. And teams like the Bengals, teams that are struggling, they'll struggle through games and they'll go kind of go 50-50 in those kind of games. They'll end like 4-12 and or 5-11, and something like that. You know, not abysmal, but just a tear up from that. And those are the kind of teams that the Buccaneers would just put points up against. When it's easy for them, the Buccaneers will put points up. Yeah, I mean, I saw the Chargers performing a lot better than they did against a weak Panthers team. Yeah. And they didn't deliver on that last week. You mentioned, you know, Herbert and Allen stepping up and, and getting more involved, which, yeah, absolutely. I think the defence wasn't what I thought it was, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. They performed really well the week before, and this week it just didn't show up. And I think whilst that isn't being consistent, I do expect the Bucks to put up points. I had it as Bucks by two scores. I think three scores is bold, but I completely understand your rationale. With Mike Evans, with Fournette, with those players, they're Godwin as well. They're players who can score points and they seem to like to keep their foot on the pedal and, you know, try and rack up scores. You said there that the Chargers look pretty bad against the Panthers. And this is what I mean, really. Those weaker sides, it will be one score kind of either way. When it was the Bengals, it was three points to the Chargers. Against the Panthers, it was six points to the Panthers. So it's, it's just either side, 50-50 games against poor teams. So, yeah, I think the Buccaneers will put points up there. Yeah, so then that brings us on to the final of the 6pm games on the Sunday, which is the Ravens at Washington. I think that Lamar Jackson is probably feeling a little bit embarrassed by his performance on Monday night. Ravens didn't look good at all. Mahomes came in and scored them. They are going to be hurting. They're going to want a performance this week. Washington without Chase Young. I think Washington have it really stacked against them here. And I see the Ravens comfortably winning this to be honest I don't really see it going any other way so do you put that loss by the Ravens down to Lamar Jackson do you think he had a particularly poor performance on Monday night I definitely don't think he played well in the first half you look at the yards that he had in the first half and I mean Mahomes at the halfway point I think it scored was it three touchdowns by the halfway point yeah he had but I see this is what I thought looking at the game I think what was found wanting was the Ravens defense And it's actually quite interesting because I think in all of Lamar Jackson's regular season games, he's lost four times in his career and three of those have come against the Chiefs. 
And I think that's largely down to the type of defense that the Ravens run, which is a man defense. And I think the schemes that Andy Reid puts together are just, they just confuse the man defense. And the Chiefs scored some absolutely beautiful touchdowns by just running plays that that man defense could not cover. I mean, that shovel pass to Sherman was absolutely inspired. And funnily enough, they tried to do a similar thing with Kelsey the week before and it didn't succeed. But against this man defense, they just looked lost and they tried to bring the pass rush. They tried to bring the blitz, but Mahomes was just too good. And the moment that he got it over that initial line, he escaped that blitz. There was no coverage and it was just easy pickings for him. I, I feel that that was where they fell down more than the lack of scoring potency of Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to agree, but then not agree with your point here. So you're right. Man defense just doesn't really work against this Chiefs team. Every single player who they have as a receiver there is a mismatch for whoever they're going up against. They just create mismatches across the field. If you're double teaming someone, then someone else is in single. And, you know, Kelsey and single, nah, you're going to get destroyed. Hill, you've got to have someone over the top. You need double teams against too many of these players. And man schemes just really struggle with that because unless you're playing something like cover two and you've got both safeties up and it's just a nightmare for the safeties because the plays are extended as well. So the schemes that the Ravens were playing, yeah, just, just, just didn't really gel with the potential the Chiefs have there. What I would say, though, going back to my original point about it being on Jackson's shoulders, this game, for the most part, panned out how people thought it would. People thought that the Chiefs would score a lot. So when you know that your D is going to have a hard night, then it's down to you as the offense to come out there and put points against their D. Like, the Chiefs' D is pretty good, but the offense is the scary thing there. So the idea of this game was a shootout. It's two MVPs going up against each other, you know, two of the highest scorers in the league who can put more points on the board. Mahomes put points on the board and Jackson didn't. And I mean, that first half, I think it finished 2010, something like that. The 10 was because they had a kick return touchdown. Jackson put up something. He definitely had only double figures in terms of yards through the air. So he just didn't perform really. And, you know, yeah, okay, the Chiefs didn't let him perform there but he's going to be smarting he's going to be smarting this was prime time this was the alleged two best quarterbacks in the league in a lot of people's books and there was only one guy who really looked good on the night so against the Washington football team then against Washington football team he's going to want to come back they're going to want to get the job done as well 17 points Ravens yeah I've got them by two scores and the only reason I don't have them by more is seemingly the Washington football team are scoring they do have players that can score and they're getting the touchdown so I think going into this season I didn't understand where those scores would be coming from I think they are when I say competitive on the offense side you know that's competitive with a caveat not against this Ravens team I'm gonna go out on a limb here I wouldn't be surprised if potentially we maybe see Alex Smith coming into this game at some point Interesting. Okay. And um, what are you basing that on? Basing it on the comments that Ron Riviera has made in the last week. I think he said something along the lines of his players deserve better and there's a cutoff point with Dwayne Haskins. Now that's a big change of tone from how he came in at the start of the season there. 
as you'd expect a professional head coach to act. He was very supportive of Haskins when he came in, said, you know, he's seen him do great things, etc., etc. But to say there's a cutoff point with your quarterback, I mean, he's on notice. So it's a bad week to be Dwayne Haskins, really. I think when you've got that pressure and you've got to go out against the Ravens who are going to be, you know, wanting to taste some blood. Third quarter, Alex Smith. That's a predo from me. Nice. Let's see if that one pans out. So on to the late kickoffs on the Sunday. Let's start with the Giants at the Rams. You know what? I've really tried hard to stick to my early predo that the Giants would be sneaky good. And they've not really come through for me. Jones, I really wanted him to make a step forward this year. I felt that I saw talent last year. And it's just not really been coming through this season. I know they've had injury problems. Barkley being injured doesn't really help. But this is a good Rams team and the Giants O-line still isn't clicking. And Aaron Donald is just going to eat them up, isn't he? Can we just talk about that Rams-Bills game? Was it just me or were the Rams absolutely robbed with a ghost purse interference call? Yeah, they were. And the other thing that I want to talk about from that game is when the Bills kind of took the lead and then Aaron Donald just like, I'm going to eat up Josh Allen. And there was one point where Donald during that game was absolutely unplayable. Every single play, he was just beating both his men because you've got to have two men on him. There was a stretch of about two drives where Donald was just absolutely unstoppable. I'd recommend people just go back and look at that because it was something else. Yeah, I felt sorry for them. I thought they were absolutely robbed on that. They should be 3-0. and And instead, they're walking into week 4-2-1, which I think is an absolute travesty. But... There you have it. I think this will be a bounce back for them. Not that they necessarily needed it for their confidence. I think they realised that they did a solid job against the Bills and they got unlucky there towards the end. I think the Rams will walk away with this by two scores. I'm the same as you and that one. Now, what will I think be a slightly more exciting game will be Patriots at Chiefs. Ah, this is so interesting, right? Because I can't believe how defensively impressive the Patriots have been this season despite the fact that they're missing like half of their first team defence it's unreal it's what I said to you man when you've got Gilmore when you've got McCourty when you've got those guys out there like you know McCourty is so underrated I know people think he's good but he is elite Gilmore's elite the secondary there it's mainly intact and it's bloody good yeah, I mean, I, I still don't think it will be enough to overcome the Chiefs, but I think they'll keep it to a score. I think Chiefs by seven. I'm going to go hot taking. I'm going to say Patriots by three. I don't blame you for it because I was I was writing down my predictions for this and I was very tempted to call this as the upset game, but I just think at the moment Mahomes is too good and the Patriots defense is real. But I just think there are too many options there for Mahomes. And I'm not sure just yet that the Pats are going to have the firepower to go toe-to-toe with these guys. What I will say is whichever way it goes, I think that this will be a more even game than Chiefs-Ravens. Yeah, I think so. I say that with hindsight, you know, because I thought Ravens were going to take the Chiefs. But seeing the game that I saw on, well, what was Tuesday morning for us, yeah, I think I'm hoping that the Patriots is going to be a closer game. Next one, Bills at Raiders. <sighs> Help me out here, Joe, because I, well, I'll tell you what, I haven't called a draw all year. I'm going to say this is going to overtime. Okay, okay. Um, so what's your thinking behind that? 
I think these are two teams that are not elite, but are certainly better than average at the moment, at this current stage in the season. And both of them can score points. Both of them maybe haven't got their defense like quite nailed down yet. So I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to be lead changes back and forth. And I think it'll end in an overtime. That's an interesting take on it. And I could certainly see the game going that way. Look, I think that the Bills are fortunate to be 0-3. I think that when you look at the 0-3 teams, yeah, the Bears are the worst 0-3 and certainly probably shouldn't be 0-3. The Titans aren't a great 0-3 team either. But in that category, you've definitely got the Bills. Like you said earlier, they're fortunate to be uh, 3-0, especially with what happened with the Rams last week. So with that in mind, I think going to the Raiders, who seem to be doing quite well in their new stadium, who when things click... And we've seen it click for them a couple of times this season. When things click, they're a very interesting prospect. I think that the Raiders are just going to be better. And I think I have it Raiders by a score. But, you know, your kind of view of this going backwards and forwards, yeah, I can certainly see that happen. I think this could be an exciting game. It's a shame it's on the same time as the Patriots and Chiefs game because that's the game that I'm going to watch. But definitely be a fun game. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think I've got to have eyes on the uh, Pats-Chiefs game because I think that's going to be really exciting. I think they both are. and then. We're treated with the Eagles at the 49ers for that last game of the Sunday. Yay. Doesn't really get me excited that, not going to lie. Basically, the San Francisco 49ers second string team with all the injuries they've got against one of the worst teams in the league in the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I've got it going San Francisco way, as you'd probably expect. I think probably only by 10 points, though. I just think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring affair, relatively unexciting. Could be proven wrong, but that's how I see it going down. Why do we both feel like that? Because I feel exactly the same. Like, yeah, I, I kind of feel that 49ers are going to win this. There's just nothing that really excites me about this game at all. Just the Eagles, I, I just, I just dross. Like, I mean, if you had said to an Eagles fan at the start of a season, you're going to go to overtime against the Bengals, they'd have been shocked. And you're going to get the ball three times and not score in overtime. I mean, geez. And that's with Wentz fit. That's not with, you know, some backup quarterback because Wentz has been injured. No, that is with Wentz. That's with your first team. And it's not going to turn around against the 49ers. 49ers by 10. That's the kind of talk that has them tearing up their city, Joe. Be careful. Mind you, so does free coffees at Dunkin' Donuts. So... Any any excuse to tear up their city. You know what, right? Until the Eagles start playing like a team that people want to watch. I don't, I don't even really want to talk about them. Let's move on. 49ers by 10, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then we come to the Falcons at Green Bay at Lambeau Field. <sighs> I predict points. <laughs> you have to, right? This feels like it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I mean, historically, they have been quite high-scoring games as well when Rodgers has gone up against Ryan. In yeah. most previous seasons, you normally get points. And I've got no reason to suspect this game is going to be any different. I wouldn't have thought so. Packers were found wanting a little bit defensively against the Saints. Falcons have been found wanting defensively against everybody. So I think that there's certainly the potential there for, for lots of points. I'm nervous that the Falcons can't keep playing as badly as they have done. But at the same time, it's only fear that would have me predicting in the Falcons' favour. So I think I've got to back the Packers. And I think maybe, though, it comes down to a field goal because I think it's just going to be high scoring both ends. I'm going to go the other side of that coin toss, Chaz. It's partly blinded by my hate of the Packers. <laughs> but look, 
the Falcons can put points up, right? There's no doubt about that. For sure. Say Jones is back. Say Gage is back. And Ryan has all the weapons to him that he'd want. Green Bay are depleted. I don't think Devante Adams, of all the big name wide receivers who've been out, I think that he is probably the one who's tracking least likely to play Sunday when Thomas will probably be back, when Jones will probably be back. Adams might still be out. That leaves Scantling and Lazard really as the only uh, options. And don't get me wrong, they've been playing good for them, but it's fewer things the Falcons have to watch. I think Lazard has. I think Scantling's not been playing brilliantly well. Yeah. And so then really it comes down to, can you stop Aaron Jones? And if the Falcons can stop Jones, and I mean, there's talent in that line that they should be able to give him a good game. If you stop Jones, you'll stop the Packers because there's just not enough options out there for Rodgers to throw to. So I'm going to go Falcons. It's a little hot takey, I know, but we both think this is going to be close. So why not? Why not the Falcons? Yeah, I don't think that's overly hot takey. I, th- I think, as you pointed out, we both see it as a close game. There was a part of me that picked the Falcons because I was just worried that it might all click for them. But I think if I take my fear of losing to the Falcons out of this and I go purely based on logic and what we've seen so far, then I'd back the Packers. It's going to be close, I think. Having said that, there's a news alert that's just come in saying that the Titans and Steelers game could be the game that gets moved to Monday night just to allow for additional COVID-19 testing. So I don't know what that would do to the Falcons and Packers game, whether that would get bumped earlier. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that. That's interesting. I would imagine it would get bumped earlier because you're only going to have one Monday night football game on prime time. Yeah, exactly. It changes the way teams think. Look, you think you've got that kind of extra day. It's in the heads of the players. It's the mentality of your whole kind of prep cycle, that week of prepping for things is disrupted. It's all these things that are just little effects of, of our COVID and they sound small, but they they have an impact. So look, we record on Tuesday. This is live coming in now. That game might get moved. Interesting. Watch this space. And then that leads us nicely on, to Joe, to our weekly little section, which is fantasy pick of the week. Fancy pick of the week. Outside of the top 10 ADP for their position. Yep. Finally, Joe, I picked one. Week three, I went for James Robinson for the Jags against the Dolphins. He had an absolute stormer. James Robinson came fifth in terms of fantasy for running backs. And of the four players in front of them, three of those running backs were in what you would consider top 10 ADP for their position, which was Kamara, Henry, and Cook. Do you know the only other outsider that topped him? I don't, Charles. Tell me. I mean, you're not going to believe it. Rex Burkhead. And you were criticising Rex Burkhead a long time ago. But I remember on this podcast, I remember you looking down your nose at Rexy Burkhead. You should give him an apology. <laughs> I mean, I've had him in my fantasy team before, okay? But how is he still running? How How is this still happening? It's the Belichick way. Yeah, the Belichick way. His style is unblockable. <laughs> you cannot block my style. Yeah. So, Robinson, I feel finally I had a success in this. So, this week, Joe, you going running back or you going wide receiver? I'm going running back. Me too. I mean, this is uncanny. We both went wide receivers week one and two. We're both going running backs. Who are you going with? I hope you're not going to pick the same player as me again. That would be really annoying. Please don't say Lenny Fournette. We're good, we're good. Right, so going back to what I said earlier on, I think that the Buccaneers are going to just have a lot of fun against the Chargers. They're going to put a lot of points up. It's going to come to the point where they're going to be leading and they're just going to give Fournette the ball just to run through. And 
With the Chargers, with their depleted D-line, I think it's set up for Fournette to have a big day. I think that Fournette has basically now got the keys to that running game. I think that Rojo, with the fumble in week two, lost a lot of trust from, from Arians. So I think, yeah, I think it's set up for Fournette to have a big game against the Chargers. And his ADP at the start of the season was 26. Nice. For me, you know, I considered James Robinson again because he's on an absolute tear. But I think given the news that we've had over at Tennessee and feeling confident about the way the Steelers are playing at the moment, I think James Conner could have a really big game there. We know that Tennessee are really, really bad at stopping the run. The Vikings absolutely cut them open when they played. And I think if they can't fix that and they might potentially have a few players out on top of that, I think James Conner could have a really big day. And do you think that Conner will be getting all the carries there? Uh, not all the carries, but I think he's, you know, performing pretty well, even with the share that he's seeing at the moment. And I think there's a few touchdowns to be had there. I agree with what you say about the Tennessee D. I think they're terrible across the board, really, not just against a run, but I think against a pass. I mean, Justin Jefferson got 175 yards against them. That's, that's madness. <laughs> I think most weeks, if you've got players going against Tennessee in your fantasy teams, I'll definitely start them. Right. And that's everything we have for this week. It's been one that's contained a little bit of news and we're going to have to see how that goes before this game week kicks off. But bring on game week four. Let's go. Yeah, I'm sure that as soon as we stop recording now, some major news will come in like it does every week. And Joe was absolutely right because they've only gone and cancelled the Titans Steelers game. So my fantasy pick of the week for the second week out of four isn't even playing. But I think we're as up-to-date as we can possibly be on a Tuesday night. We'll catch you next week, guys. We'll catch you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.